Where it is, 401, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. A delayed edition of the 4 o'clock fight today. We'll have that in about 15 minutes because right now we're going to go to the Lufus Kia Celebrity Line. And joining us is ESPN's Barry Melrose. Barry with Brad Thompson and Chris Ranji. This is Randy Carricker. We always like having you on. Thanks for your time today. How are you doing? My pleasure, guys. I always love talking to uh, people in St. Louis, a great hockey city. So, Blues are uh, getting the job done. Certainly look like one of the players the rest of the year. Well, Barry, uh, the, one of the guys specifically that's been getting the job done is Carter Hutton, and he gets the call a- after the break. And we know that uh, going into this year, and even right now, the, the number one is still next to Jake Allen. But Mike Yo goes with uh, with Carter Hutton. If you were in Mike Yo's shoes, would you do the same thing? Yeah, you got to go with the hot goalie right now. You can't you, know, you can't worry about uh, Allen. You can't worry about getting them ready to play. Uh, the future is now. You've seen the race in the Central Division, how tight it is, uh, how close it's going to be, how tough it's going to be making the playoffs. Uh, it might come down to two points. So uh, Carter Hutton's a hot goaltender. He's been that way most of the year, and you got to ride him now. Uh, that's what you got to do. you got to worry about other things later. But right now, he's the best goaltender, and he deserves to play. And, and really, the, the players on the team would look at you and think if you're nuts that you're not playing him because he's playing that well. They need the points, especially within this division, but is there a downside to continuing to go with him? Yeah, it, you know, he doesn't stay hot. That's that's the only downside. Right now he's on fire, and he's been playing that way the whole year. So, uh, you know, you got to have faith in him. you got to, you know, maybe handle his minutes. He's maybe not used to playing this much in the NHL consistently night after night. But, uh, you know, apart from that, the only thing can go wrong is that he starts struggling. But, you know, Allen hasn't played great. Uh, he's got to work on his game. He's got to find his game. Uh, the goaltending coach has to find his game, but you can't use games uh, to get him ready. Uh, you know, as I said, Hutton's hot right now. He's winning games. He's keeping the goals against down. Uh, You've got to put him in the net. Barry Melrose of ESPN with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. And uh, Barry, aside from the goaltending, there's a lot of things that have happened here. The defense scored a lot of goals early. They've slowed down. But the big thing for the Blues has been Jaden Schwartz. It's remarkable how much the Blues win when he's in the lineup and they, they lose when he's not. Why is it that Jaden Schwartz is such an important part of this team? Well, at the start of the year, until he got hurt, he was probably as good a player as there was in the NHL. He was fantastic. He was scoring every night. Uh, the new rules are designed for a guy like him that can fly. Uh, he got a breakaway every night you saw him play. He was he was uh, getting a breakaway or two breakaways a game. So uh, he's fast. He's electric. He attacks the net. He plays with courage. And when one guy is going like that, everyone starts going like that. Him and Shen had magic together. Uh, the defense were flying. Uh, they were scoring goals. Uh, you know, it was just they were just on a roll, and and a lot of it was because of Schwartz. He was playing so well. So get him back, get him going again. Uh, that's a great addition for the last couple of months of the season. He's fresh as a daisy. Uh, he wants to play. You can play him a lot. So uh, you know, he just came around at the right time uh, for the Blues. Uh, just a perfect uh, addition to a team that was already pretty good. Well, it's definitely nice to have him back in the fold, and hopefully the Blues see a lot of good results with it. And the Blues have also had some young guys doing some things. And Tage Thompson has been up and down a couple of times. Uh, Vince Dunn has done a very good job for them also. Uh, I want to know just from you coaching, like how do you uh, deal with developing rookies and still trying to win? Like how do you not put them in too, uh, too big of a position yet giving them enough where you can learn about them? Actually, it's uh, funny. I coached uh, Thompson's dad in uh, junior, so I, I know Brent very well. 
Thompson uh, has had a great uh, start to his career. He's played very well. And with young guys, you, you know, you, you get what you expect a lot of times. Uh, you know, if you expect a guy to play well, you put him in situations, he's working his butt off. And as long as, as he mistakes are made out of uh, aggressiveness, you'll live with them. You know, you won't live with mistakes made out of complacency. But if he's trying, he's working his butt off, and he makes the odd mistake, that's fine. You bring him to the bench. You'll talk to him, and hopefully he won't make that mistake again. And that means you got a good player. But, uh, you know, every team has to have young players now because of the salary cap. And a lot of these young guys, as we saw at the All-Star game on the weekend, uh, there's a lot of young guys in the NHL are very, very good players. Uh, Besser and, and uh, you know, uh, Barzal and, and, you know, there's just so many uh guys that are just having fantastic seasons so young guys are part of the equation right now and, and you got to get them in the lineup and as i said accept mistakes just because they're working and just uh you know teach them if they make a mistake and pat them on the back and tell them get out there and make sure you don't make that mistake again and add something to the team and uh, the teams that have added young guys those are the ones that that are tough right now I know everybody's different in terms of how they handle pressure or expectations. And when you are a young player, though, generally speaking, how difficult is it to to be that, to be relatively inexperienced? But you've also really got to help your team win because they need you. Well, you've uh, you've coached these guys. They know what to expect. They've got the system down pat. Uh, they're all very gifted physically or they wouldn't be called up to the NHL. And, uh, you know, like I said, you put them out there, and, and uh, if they give you what you want, you continue to play them. Uh, obviously, if they're struggling uh, mentally and physically, uh, you know, you maybe take them out for a game, put them back in, or if that's not working, you know, it might be time to go to the minors for a while. But, uh, you know, as I said, if they're giving you what they want, what you want, and they're helping your team, and again, you, you handle their minutes properly, you play them the amount that you should, you don't overplay them. If they, if they look like they're outmatched, you maybe hold them back a little bit. Uh, most of these young guys are on the third and fourth line, so you're not expecting them to come in and, and score a ton of goals. But, uh, you know, most of them, as I said, are really good players, or they wouldn't be up in the NHL. And, and you just teach them and coach them and push them and, and challenge them. And, and, you know, if they give you what you want, you put them out there again. Barry Melrose with us on 101 ESPN. And, Barry, I have to ask you about Winnipeg. They're 17-3-1 at home. Tonight they start a 10-game homestand. Out of their 12 games in February, 10 of them are on home ice. How legitimate is Winnipeg, and how big of an opportunity is this for them to put some distance between themselves, the Jets, and the rest of the division? Well, if they're, if they're going to finish first, which I think they're there right now in that, in that central, uh, this is their time. Uh, you know, you got to make hay while the sun shines, an old farmer saying, and that's what they got now. They need some sunshine up in Winnipeg. It's hard to find this time of year, but uh, they got a great team. They're talented. Uh, Shifley left the lineup, arguably one of the best players in the NHL, didn't miss a beat. Uh, you know, Blake Wheeler went in, played center, has played great. Uh, defensively, uh, they played rock solid. They're big, they're fast. Line A can score, Ehlers can score. Uh, Blake Wheeler can score. They got a lot of guys to put the puck in the net. And uh, Connor Hellebuck's been as good a goaltender there has been in the NHL. So they're looking at that uh, schedule and they realize that you know we gotta you know we gotta go seven and three something like that in this ten game homestand to have uh, any hope of uh, of getting first place in that tough central. So um, Winnipeg knows that. And again, you got to get off to a good start when you got a, a home streak like that. You want to win that first game. You want to you know. Uh, just like if you're golfing, you want that birdie in the first hole. You want something positive in the first game, and and uh, you know it'll be a fantastic game. I think they play uh, Tampa right. in the first game, and that's that's two of the best teams in the NHL playing each other. Tampa. 
struggled a little bit, but they won two games in a row. They got a long road trip ahead of them, and they're, they're going to want the exact same thing. They're going to want to win that first game on the road after the All-Star break. So it should be a heck of a game tonight, two of the best teams in the NHL. This, this could easily be the Stanley Cup final. Winnipeg's that good. Winnipeg could easily come out of the West if things fall into place for them. So this could be the Stanley Cup finals. Well, Barry, Winnipeg's looking for sunshine. Is there any sunshine to be had for the Blackhawks at this point? Boy, they're in tough. They're in really uh, a tough situation. Uh, they're in the Central, so that means they're going to play really good teams basically the rest of the year. Uh, they're struggling right now. Uh, Kane has had a great year. Really, he's the only guy that's been consistently scoring. Uh, uh, goaltending, uh, Crawford's not going to make the trip. Uh, I think I read that today. Uh, so he's going to stay home. He's not ready to play yet. Uh, Glass has been a real fine uh, 32-year-old rookie that's playing for them and played very well. But, uh, you know, it's going to be tough because, uh, you know, they're not the Chicago Blackhawks of old. Uh, in, the, in the Central Division, Winnipeg's great. St. Louis is great. Nashville's great. Dallas is playing very, very well. Colorado was the hottest team in the NHL. In last year, Colorado was a free two points. Now, uh, Colorado has taken two points out of everybody. I, I think they won nine of the last 11 games. So uh, there's no weak sisters in, in the Central. So it's going to be tough for Chicago. they got to pass basically three teams in order to take a run at the wild card. Uh, and that's going to be a tough job to do the way they played so far this season. With a trade deadline about a month away, what, if anything, do the Blues need? You know what? Everybody's looking for veteran defensemen, and maybe and and they'd love to find a, a guy that could play in the third line, big centerman, big wing, or something like that with playoff experience. Every the trouble is everybody's looking for that, and and it's just really hard to find uh, who's going to be. No one really knows who's a seller yet because everybody's so close. You know, is Edmonton going to move some guys? Is Vancouver going to move some veterans? Uh, you know, uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, when it comes to the uh, trade deadline, is who's going to be a buyer and who's going to be a seller. Uh, Vegas was supposed to be a seller at the deadline. <laughs> they had all these veteran players that, that had co- huge contracts that they were going to move at the deadline for you know high draft picks and, and young prospects. Now Vegas might end up being a buyer at the deadline. So uh, it's going to be, that's going to be one of the most interesting things to me is who would end up going to, who's going to end up moving players. Uh, you know, a team like the New York Rangers with Nash, uh, you know, Nash isn't going to sign. His contract's up. Uh, he's a veteran player. You know, I, I, they could get something for him at the deadline. Uh, or are they going to risk losing him for nothing at the end of the year? So uh, that's going to be a very inter- interesting scenario, two players like uh, Rick Nash. Finally, Barry Melrose, along those lines, one more guy that's in town tonight with Montreal, and his name has come up a lot is Max Pacioretty, and apparently everybody in the Central Division is after him too. What do you think that Pacioretty has left? I think he's got a lot left, and I think going to a new team uh, in a playoff race uh, where every game is important um, and get caught up in that emotion and that excitement, I think he'd be great. Uh, this guy's a good hockey player. Uh, I know he struggled with Winnipeg or with Montreal, but that is a tough place to play, and, and especially when you're a struggling team like they are. It's not nice going to the rink every night. Uh, so I, I think uh, if someone gets him at the deadline, they would love it. I think he'd be a great find. Barry, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.
Anytime. Take care, guys. Thanks, Barry. Barry Melrose of ESPN with us on the Lufius Kia Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. By the way, in the last four years, Pat Charetti, and I think it's going to be really tough for the Blues to make a deal, by the way, because of their salary cap constraints. But the last four years before this one, Pat Charetti with 39 goals, 37, 30, and 35. He's what the doctor ordered, but Nashville's interested, Winnipeg's interested, everybody, Minnesota, everybody's interested. You have to give Will? up a lot to get something like that. You Pat. would. That's a good place for uh, them to be. Because, well, not the Blues. Montreal. But, uh, yeah, Montreal to be because uh, you're going to get something that somebody doesn't want to give up. It's true. I don't want to give up any uh, Rob Thomases. You know I like his music too much. Yeah. Oh, he's, my gosh. He's you, good. You can't move him. I celebrate yeah. his entire catalog. Good actor, too. I sure yeah, What's is. your favorite tune? Your favorite well, Rob Thomas tune? I think uh, good 3 a.m. is 3 a.m. Must be lonely. Yeah, that's a good one. one. Okay. Uh, what else? That's, I think that's, the, the that's, that's the only one. Everybody all knows good. it. Coming up next in the fast lane, a delayed edition of the 4 o'clock fight. One lucky listener will challenge me next on 101 ESPN. Meet BT. Hey, quick question. Yeah. What's your favorite topping on a pizza? Uh, Like, what kind of pizza? Like, like deep dish pizza, yeah, whatever, or, man. What, like, what's your favorite topping? Probably pepperoni. Probably pepperoni. I was just trying to get or meat to say pepperoni. his because you know meat's uh, meat's over there on a microphone without anything. It comes in peas come out a little hot. Yeah, a little bit. Anyways, what Double are we fighting pepperoni. over? Hope it's something uh, with a lot oh. of peas. <laughs> what is, what's the prize <laughs> from a, Papa John's? We've got a pair of tickets to see Journey and Def Leppard at Bush Stadium on August 24th. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. And you can get the tickets on our website, 101sports.com. That's a pretty awesome pair. It's going to be a great show, yes, man. Yes, it will. Yes, it it's gonna will. It's going to be a really great show. You know who might go to this show? Uh, Charles. Charles. Charles, what's going on, man? How are we doing today? Pretty good. Just sitting at home enjoying the day off. Well, I'm good oh, for good. you. Wow, nice. Oh, and by the way, pepperoni and bacon on a pizza. Oh, that's, that's oh, not wrong. Language. That's not wrong. Bacon is underrated on a pizza. Like people forget about it too much. It is. It's phenomenal. Oh my god. Well, Charles just makes me happy, and I'm rooting for him already. Uh, you ready to take on Randy here? Yes, I am. All right, here we go. Question number one: Which team has the record of 55 points scored in a single Super Bowl game? Was it the Buccaneers, the Cowboys, or the 49ers? 49ers. Question two, who has the Cardinals' career record of 285 times caught stealing? Is it Lou Brock, Vince Coleman, or Ray Lankford? Uh, Vince Coleman. Question number three, besides the kicker, Al Del Greco, who was the only Titan to score in Super Bowl 34? Was it Steve McNair, Eddie George, or Kevin Dyson? Uh, who was it? Uh, Eddie George. I don't remember. And question number four, Dick Vermeil and the Eagles lost in Super Bowl 15 in 1980. Which team beat them in that Super Bowl? Was it the Raiders, the Steelers, or the Broncos? Steelers. All right, let's bring in Randy. Charles, how you feeling? Pretty good. Uh, the most stolen bases got me. I'm not 100% sure who it was. I wanted to say Brock, but... But 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 you didn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Happens. Look, we got a lot of uh, good base stealers back in the day. And, this is uh, exactly like taking any sort of uh, 
you know, test a multiple choice test. You always yeah. do that. Like, I always oh, wanted I to say the right guy, answer, but, too. But, but never... <laughs> what do they tell you? First instinct. Always go with your first they instinct. They do. But my first instinct, oftentimes, I've learned, is, is a horrible instinct. Oh. My first like, instinct gets me in trouble. Right. Oh. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, this job, my first instinct. Some of the things, you're shocked by some of the things I do say. <laughs> Imagine what comes through the filter first that gets stopped. Yeah. Not oh, much. There's a always, always there do, is. do the opposite, Costanza. Yes, that's right, Randy. Always say uh, say hi to Charles. Hey, Charles, how you doing? Pretty good. How about yourself, sir? Doing great. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy. Question number one. Which team has the record of 55 points scored in a single Super Bowl game? I think that was the uh, Broncos. Or, I mean, the Niners over the Broncos in, uh, what, the 1989 Super Bowl? Bill Walsh's last game, 55 points for the Niners. You're back in it, Charles. Good job. Question two. Who has the Cardinals' career record of 285 times caught stealing? This is good. Well, Don't I, go low-hanging fruit here no, and say Mike Leake. Don't do it. I, okay. Well, oh, wow. I'm, I'm do guessing. It. I saw the wheels turn. It's only two guys, right? Well, and, I have uh, three here. One of, them, one of them was not thrown out almost 50 times a year. So I'm going to go with uh, Lou Brock because Vince Coleman was only here for six years. Question number three. Besides Al Del Greco, who is the only Titan to score in Super Bowl 34? Eddie George scored two touchdowns. And question number four. Dick Vermeil and the Eagles lost in Super Bowl 15, which happened in 1980. Which team beat them in that Super Bowl? A guy named Rod Martin had three interceptions. And the Raiders beat the Eagles in that Super Bowl. We've got a winner. Charles, I'm sorry he got you. Randy, you got all four with the jack right there. It is the 49ers that have the record. 55 points scored in a single Super Bowl game. Lou Brock has been caught stealing 285 times. It's the Cardinals record. Eddie George is the only Titan not named Al Del Greco to score in Super Bowl 34. And it is the Raiders that beat Dick Vermeil's Eagles in Super Bowl 15. So, Charles, thanks for playing, man. Try again and uh, get yourself a pepperoni and bacon pizza. All right. Doctor. That'll probably be the first good decision I've made all day. There you go. There you go. You guys hey. have a good night. Thanks, Charles. Thank you. Thank you very much for playing, Charles. We do appreciate it. It is the fast lane on 101 ESPN. BT is back. You yeah. heard missed you guys. Yeah, we missed you terribly. Too. We wish we would have been in Florida with you. It was lovely. Why don't I'll we bet. do a remote from Florida for fantasy camp? I think we should. Idea. Actually, that might be, it would be more interesting than spring training. I mean, sure, people want to know, like, what's going on with, like, the team this year. Uh, but first, you get alumni for decades, and then you get to talk about horrible gameplay, and you can berate me the entire time. So We do that anyway. I know you So do, we buddy. would just talk to Izzy and Tukes and... The other guys that are BJ, all those other guys that are down there. I think that would be good. Be fun. This might be a good week for me to get some of them on if you guys want more material about how bad of an athlete I am. Okay. Bob Tewksbury is one of my all-time favorite Cardinals. Is he really? Yeah, great guy. So Isn't he a great guy? He's awesome, and uh, I uh, line it up, too, because I think he's going to be on with us because nice. he's uh, he wrote a book. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think it's called, like, something. It's not out yet, but it's something about uh, the mental game of baseball. It's like 90% mental or something like that. Okay. Yeah. But didn't Yogi Berra awesome. say that? Something like that. And the other four, the yeah. other forty or something. Yeah, half of baseball is ninety percent mental. Yeah, uh, yeah, fifty. Yeah, that's 50% right. Fifty percent of baseball yeah, you're right. is ninety percent mental. Uh, the two coming up in this edition of the Fast Lane. Safe to say that we can all agree that the Patriots are the evil empire in the NFL, but they've got some good competition. It's next on One Hundred and One ESPN.
That is the Darth Vader of the NFL, Bill Belichick. That was awesome. <laughs> Tremendous. Once upon a time, the uh, owner of the Houston, uh, of the Boston Red Sox called the Yankees the evil empire. Well, now the tables have been turned. The evil empire is still in New England, but it is the Patriots. There are numerous comps to the Patriots in the world of sports and entertainment. There are for sure, and uh, usually it's uh, the team or, or just the organization that continues to have success. And maybe they've been in shady ways, uh, but uh, but look, it, it's uh, one of those. LeVar Ball would say you are a hater if you mm -hmm. call them the evil empire. Well, that being said, most people are haters. I don't know if Vader ever did anything in a shady way. He just well, he just did it. Just owned the empire. Just did just owned what he the did. galaxy. That's it, right? I don't know. I didn't watch the. I think everything everything was on the up and up with Vader. Yeah, but you know, with Spock though, to there to challenge he him, was fighting and Randy. Him all the time. Yeah, Randy. So on that the was Enterprise. pretty good. Yeah, uh, Brad, Randy, a uh, different movie. What do you mean? The, you're thinking of Star Trek. About? Yeah, right. Beam I mean, I'm just going to do this once a week. Where I have to remind you, yeah, you're thinking of a completely different set of That's movies. Disappointing. I got a feeling the text line blew up. Yeah. Now speaking of you. movies, there are some <laughs> evil <laughs> people like the preppy kids from The Sandlot. What if? Oh no, you don't go there. Have you guys seen the new one of those? Where they did it. It's like, whoa, man, what year is it? I can't say that. That was awesome. They come in on their bikes wearing their uniforms because they're all fancy. They all have gloves and stuff. Uh, and they just got laid out. Big time. By the Sandlot Well deserved, team. yeah. Uh, led by Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Still one of my favorite movies ever. They absolutely deserved it because what kind of jerks, what kind of a-hole kids right around town in their uniforms when they don't have a game that night. The preppy kids Nobody do. does that. Just ridiculous. Maybe they had practice yeah. earlier. Did you that practice in your uniform? I mean, rich kids in probably did. <laughs> well, yeah, right. uh, they might have, yeah. Now, we also had a chief rival in Mighty Ducks 1. You're going to say that's Gordon <laughs> Bombay? You're going to say that's Gordon Bombay? Wow. He's yeah. a never was. Really? That's what the Hawks were all about. The Hawks were about tearing other people down. Guess what? We're the rich kids from this great community. We've got awesome uniforms, and we're good. And we've got uh, the kid Banks, who's a stu who turned out to be a good kid, by the way. We ended up uh, being outside the boundaries of the Hawks, and he had to be a duck, and, and then he was upset about it, and he came back. Look, it was a good story. Great uh, pickup. But the Hawks overall, they were the evil empire. They were horrible. The Hawks were the team uh, as kids that you had to root against because everything just seemed so easy for them they were all set up for success until they met a little thing called adversity and that's what the ducks were <laughs> a little adversity they didn't know what to do there you i know guess what we, they did we're, we're just we're just crapping all over the rich kids well those ones yeah those well, rich kids. I mean, you can be rich and be a nice person but they were not they, they were, were not terrible. at all well really it was it's it's all about coaching Think so you got to have not, not a good guy. Gordon Bombay no. could lead, and he didn't want to initially. Sure, it was court appointed, right. and he had to get into that. Who hasn't gotten into something good because it was court appointed? You know, like that's uh, that's nobody. Uh, Most, once a year, me neither. Right, that's what I was going to say. But I bet people have text in six five seven eight zero. If you were appointed mm -hmm. something by the court, and then it ended up being a passion of yours. Now that wasn't the only drama from a Mighty Ducks movie. But I mean, that Gordon Gordon Bombay to his former youth coach before beating them. The uh, no, that was the Iceland's. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was, uh, they were scary, they were mean, and uh, they just beat up on, I don't think they were rich, necessarily, they were just really good, and they used intimidation, Mm -hmm. and the Ducks were afraid at first, but then they weren't, and maybe that's what the Eagles are going to try to do, because the Patriots are, they're intimidating. They're scary. They, mm-hmm. uh, they've got Belichick, who doesn't crack a smile. Tom Brady, who just rattled off uh, uh, Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Sometimes you got to stand up to the big bad wolf, the evil empire. Maybe you they can. You can't be afraid of this wolf, though. You wolf can't? Stanson? Nah, you can't be afraid of him. He was scary. Yeah. Speaking of scary, uh, it's Ivan Drago. What a great example of I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to go out and do my job. If somebody dies, they die. Um, my job is to go fight somebody. I feel like that's, uh, that is something that the Patriots definitely have said out there. Like, man, mm-hmm. you, you know all their plays. Like, what if you just came across and just crushed somebody? If he dies, he dies. Yeah. We're doing our thing. I think Dra- that's how Drago probably would have fought if he would have known the game plan. I think he just would have uh, he he would have wanted. Well, clearly he wanted to murder the guy. He, right. he wanted mm-hmm. to murder Rocky. We all know that wanted to happen. And I feel like Bill Belichick probably feels the same way. Well, if any Eagles players die on the field, he's going to say, yeah, you know, yeah, that's what happens. That's what happened to you. We're going to hope his family's okay. Yeah. See, now, it's just game. He didn't care about the, his own quarterback. Maybe the evilest of all evil empires. <laughs> Cobra Kai. Well, I now, why, to, why do I forget the guy's name, the head of Cobra Kai? Because that was Johnny. Johnny was supposed to sweep mm-hmm. the leg. Yep. And he had a leg. little bit of a problem with that, and he said sorry afterwards. That Johnny was a real Richard the entire show, though, or the, the entire movie. Yeah. Really, it all comes down to coaching because you could tell that some of those kids, some of those Cobra Kai kids really did have a heart. Even Johnny in the end, you're all right, LaRusso. That guy had a heart. It's it's all about the coach. It really is. And there was the other kid that said, he's had enough, man. Can't you see he's had enough? <laughs> see? Yep. Coaching uh, coaches can that's ruin That's one of those children. movies, too, by the way, Karate Kid, that just got better as it went on. Mm-hmm. You know, like Karate Kid 7. Oh, did it? Don't forget... <laughs> White Goodman and the Globo Jim Purple Cobras. Oh, they have been good for a long time. The Purple Cobras have. Uh, oh, yeah. They're one of those teams where if you were just going to, uh, uh, if you're going to build a team, I would build it like them. I'd have people with crazy names and stuff like yeah. that. I, I really like them. Yeah. So, hmm. Blade Laser Blazer Michelle and that last girl mm-hmm. who was a, a gamer. Uh, who had a little bit of the unibrow going on, but one of the average Joes found her quite attractive. Nobody wanted mm-hmm. them to win. Nobody rooted for them. They treated people badly. Um, yet we know what happened at the end. They lost. Yeah, they did. They did. And Nick Foles. Nick Foles appears to be he like he just by looks. He looks like somebody that would be on average. He's an Joes. average Joe. Like, he mm-hmm. looks like he's like, hey, I'm tall and I could probably wing this ball a little bit. But I'm unassuming. I, f- I really feel mm-hmm. like he could be an average Joe. He would fit perfectly. It occurs to me that I've seen a lot of movies one time and don't remember anything that happens. I feel like that's every second just I happened. do here. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Coming up, we want to hear from you. What was your favorite memory of Super Bowl 34 18 years ago today, either during the week, Super Bowl weekend, or the game? Leave us a mic drop on the 101 Sports app or the voicemail, 314-656-6101. Where were you? What was special about it? That's next on 101 ESPN.
18 years ago today was one of the most memorable days for a lot of St. Louisans, most memorable days and nights. The whole week from the time the Rams clinched the victory over Tampa Bay until the end of the Super Bowl is really in the mind's eye of a lot of people. And we want to hear from you via the voice mic drop on the 101 Sports app or via our Google voicemail line, 314-656-6101. What was your favorite part of Super Bowl week or the, the weekend leading up to or the game? It was icy in Atlanta, and I wanted to go to an Atlanta Thrashers game. The Atlanta Thrashers were an NHL team. They played on ice. They canceled the game because there was too much ice. The, well, it's I don't is that irony technically? I think so, yeah. Okay. So we were down in Atlanta. My buddy uh, Big Frank made his way down. We were down there covering it all week and uh we went to Buckhead and before I got to this place, I, I was on the air. Uh Frank calls me and says, "Hey, there's a a place here. Check it out." Frank is with us now on 101 ESPN. So I show up at the bar and it was jam-packed, big man. It was a it was a crazy scene. It was about the only people that were out and about in Atlanta because of the ice storm was St. Louisans that made their way down there. And all of the outdoor entertainment that they were supposed to have was canceled. So next best thing was we found ourselves all in this little bar right in the heart of Bucktown, as you said. And it's full of Rams people, and we're sharing Rams love with each other back and forth. And the best part is we're shoulder to shoulder, and I'm with my wife, and we've got Randy and a few other my Anheuser Bush folks are with us. And I hear these two fellas talking behind us, older gentleman and younger guy, and uh, they're kind of talking about celebrity uh, sightings and people watching that they might see or have seen while they were down in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. So the younger guy, naturally, he hopes he runs into Joe Montana or somebody like that. Well, the older gentleman... I can hear him talking, and he says to his younger buddy, like, you know, there's one guy who I wish I could meet, and that's that Randy character, because he said before the season started on the radio that the Rams were going to go 12-4. and four. So I turned around, slapped him on the back, and said, buddy, it's your lucky day. And turned around, there's Randy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, we talked for quite a while. It was that, that was a fun week, and that was a, as much fun as you can ever have with a sporting event. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, Anybody that was around for the football Cardinals and all that, we we sold our soul hoping that we could get to a Super Bowl, and there we were. So I wanted to take in every bit of it as everybody else that was down there. That was so, fun. Hey, thanks for time. yeah, thanks for taking some time. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks, buddy. All right, that is uh, Big Frank. Let's get to uh, so that that's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So now Frank knows anyway. though you're ever the optimist. So you probably say that every year. Oh, they're gonna no, win well, that was uh, that, that was I, I, it was a uh, quite a day because. The Rams had acquired Marshall, and I knew Mike Martz well because he had been the receivers coach for the Rams when they came here. And I knew how competitive and how good Orlando Pace was. The defense was already good. Uh, I loved the fact that they added a guy like Adam Timmerman. And this was when they had signed Trent Green, and I knew Trent because he was a St. Louis guy. And so I, I said, I looked at the schedule. I said, I think they're going to go 12-4 and four this year. And I walk over to the ballpark. Cardinals were playing that night. This was right at the start of training camp. And the first person I see is Jack Buck. And he walks up to me and says, kid, have you been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no. And then I told him what my thought process was, and he, he agreed with me. Did so. you get the right 12-4? and four? They were 13-3. and three. 
Well, no, I'm saying that oh, did you no. get the right win most for the most part? No, because so much happened. You know, Trent gets hurt. But one other thing that happened, I expected him to lose in Detroit, but Barry Sanders goes down. I expected Atlanta would be better. They've been to the Super Bowl the year before. The week before the Rams play them, Jamal Anderson goes down. I expected San Francisco to be better, but the week before the Rams played the Niners, Steve Young's career is ended on a hit by Aeneas Williams. So a lot of things changed between the the time I said that and the time they actually played the team. So, no, I didn't get it right. You didn't have to show your work, though. It doesn't matter. You were pretty close. Yeah, it was all right. did a great job. All right. We appreciate you getting in touch with us. Here's our first one. I grew up in Webb City, Missouri, and the whole town was abuzz that Grant Wistrom hometown boy was playing in the Super Bowl and after they won everybody was ecstatic but I remember later that night they interviewed him I think it was on QVC the shopping channel and that was the greatest thing ever to see a little local boy like Grant Wistrom being interviewed after winning the Super Bowl that's pretty cool that's yeah, really cool. Time yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, St. Louis obviously is a bigger example, but we always talk about this. Like you root for your own, right? And here, anybody's doing anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's NHL, if it's MMA, if it's baseball, whatever it is. Like you root for that guy. Well, you're certainly going to do it uh, on a level like that when it's a small town. That's cool to see. And that's why it was so sad that Trent Green got hurt. Well, yeah, and, and spe- going back to what BT said, it's very rare in a lot of those towns that anybody – makes anything of themselves and i don't mean like they can't have great lives and great livings and and that sort of thing what i'm talking about is becoming a celebrity and doing something on a grand scale that hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of people see and appreciate here's our next i grew up in webb city missouri and the whole town was abuzz that grant wistrom hometown boy was playing in the super bowl and after they won everybody was ecstatic but I remember later that night, they interviewed him. I think it was on QVC, the shopping channel. And that was the greatest thing ever, to see a little local boy like Grant Wistrom being interviewed after winning the Super Bowl. Well, shocker, you'll embrace a winner. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I think that that was a product of Coach Vermeil because he really did preach to the players, hey, if you win this thing, you're winning it for your city. And there was a, a great tie and yeah there's no doubt that winning made a lot of that made that tie a lot tighter sure but that was a Vermeil thing yeah but yeah to your point I think uh, Dick Vermeil from everything that everybody has said did a very good job even before winning like getting there getting his guys ingrained in the community like Mm -hmm. doing different things caring about it. it's not just you're collecting a paycheck here no you are here like you you are this is your uh, identity you are St. Louis now and a lot of guys do just come in and and punch the clock "Eh, doesn't matter where where I'm playing right I think Dick Vermeil did a good job of making that hit home for guys but I understand I guess from a fan's perspective, when a new team comes in, it kind of feels like you're borrowing it, like it's not really yours. It turned out to be true, yeah. <laughs> right? But at the time, you don't, you don't know they're going to leave you again. You right. don't know that's going to happen. But but still, like, divorce, it, you say? <laughs> okay. Like, oh, I'm a fan of you now. Please don't leave me. Please yeah. never leave. Here's our next one. The back shoulder to Ike is something I will never forget. And they won't catch him today. Yeah, great call by Mike Bush. He was the voice of the Rams that year. And the the throw, obviously, Kurt was under pressure, was a little bit underthrown. And Isaac made the fantastic adjustment. And we're going to talk to Kurt a little bit later about that game and that throw. But it really was, if you want two moments, because you can't have one without the other, the touchdown pass to Bruce and the tackle, the, the tackle by Mike Jones. 
Who? The Michael Jones. Not that Mike Jones. Not the rapper. That's my fault. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Different guy. When Dick Vermeil asked DeFar, why are you coming off the field now? To be fair, it was was uh, was Kevin Carter. You're coming out of the Super Bowl with 26 seconds left, and Demarco was right behind Kevin Carter. Whatever. So he was asking both of them. I uh, I used it for Demarco all the time. It was great. Well, you tired now? <laughs> now? <laughs> yeah. Dude. Sure, he liked that. And those Being guys. Animal. He got so angry. <laughs> those guys were gassed. And that'll be the only pro football championship we'll ever experience. Uh, so that, from my perspective, that makes it even better knowing that. No, two things. Number one, it's the best, obviously, that we'll ever have, but. That was the the onset of really exciting throwing in the NFL, and that to me was the height of the league. Now with all of the rules that have been introduced, right after that, and granted they brought celebrations back, but they outlawed the bob and weave, and then they have the the catch rule, and they outlaw hitting, and there was some great hitting in that playoff run. It's just such a different league now. I don't think it'll ever get back to what it was then. Yeah, I know we've talked about that a lot. I'm, I'm Because of the safety rules, they're trying to keep the game clean in that way, and it's very difficult to do, but I think you're right about that. The quality of play is never going to go back to what it was. I just wish I was in college at the time, so mm-hmm. I was away at school. I couldn't be here to, to see the celebration or the parades or any of that stuff. Um, my strongest memory, aside from the clock running out and the tackle is being at my friend's house for the Super Bowl party with all the food on the coffee table and his dog walked by, lifted his leg and peed all over oh, all of no. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Thank God they won. Yeah. Yeah. So they so made it better. There was a play in the Minnesota game where Charlie Clemens, who was a, a pass rushing specialist on that team, he got Jeff George on a helmet to helmet hit and made Jeff George look like a broken bobblehead because his head was just going sideways. And I went to Charlie the Monday after and just walking through the locker room. And uh, I said, man, you almost knocked his head off. He said, yeah, I was trying. <laughs> good old days. We could try yeah, it. It's the good old days. <laughs> I, I liked it when players could turn each other's heads into mush. That was, that was, that was really good back then. Hey, thanks for your, uh, your mic drops from the 101 Sports app, and thanks for your phone calls as well. Well, you may think you've experienced cold weather, but Tony Dungy says there's nothing like Minnesota cold. That's next before Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN.